such a tiny offering compared to Calvary. Please remain standing for the reading of the word. This is in Luke chapter 1, verses 5 through 25. In the time of Herod, king of Judah, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife Elizabeth was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were upright in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commandments and regulations blamelessly. But they had no children because Elizabeth was barren, and they were both well along in years. <coughs> Once when Zechariah's division was on duty and he was serving as priest before God, he was chosen by lot, according to the custom of the priesthood, to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the time for the burning of incense came, all the assembled worshipers were praying outside. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to give him the name John. He will be a joy and delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from birth. Many of the people of Israel will be brought back to the Lord their God, and he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Zechariah asked the angel, How can I be sure of this? I am an old man, and my wife is well along in years. The angel answered, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I have been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not be able to speak until the day this happens, because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their proper time. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah and wondered why he stayed so long in the temple. When he came out, he could not speak to them. They realized he had seen a vision in the temple, for he kept making signs to them, but remained unable to speak. When his time of service was completed, he returned home. After this, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant and for five months remained in seclusion. The Lord has done this for me, she said. In these days, he has shown his favor and taken away my disgrace among the people. You may be seated. Uh, will the children come forward, please? We have new children today. <laughs> Here they come. How are you guys doing today? Are you doing good? What if we come over here? We're going to pray for the whole church. You guys want to help me? If everyone would bow their heads and close their eyes, we're going to pray for the church and for the kids. Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you for today, and we thank you for this opportunity to come into your house and to worship you and to learn new things. And Lord, I pray that you put your hand upon these kids, and when they go off to rise and shine, that you would help them to have eyes to hear and eyes to see and ears to hear uh, what you have for them. And also for the people in the congregation, Lord, I pray that you open our hearts and our ears to hear what you have. And I pray also for Pastor Bill that you put your hand of blessing upon him and that you 
have him be your speaker today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You may not know this about me, but I hate surprises. <laughs> and there are differences of opinion on that. I think it's because I don't know quite what to do with them, and I feel so out of control. And even more awkward is being in the position I am, so often I catch wind of a surprise, so then I've got the awkward and difficult task of acting like I'm surprised when I'm really not. So perhaps it's all about control issues in my life, I'm not sure. And as I was reflecting on this Advent series and the text that I was going to be look at, looking at in Luke chapters 1 and 2, the theme of surprise just kept popping up over and over again. And so I reflected a little bit about surprises in my own life, like the time when my wife kidnapped me and packed my bag and arranged for my secretary collusion even, and uh, whisked me off to some great place. Or the time when my son Doug and his friends were riding in the back of our old diesel station wagon with the window rolled down, and there was this car kind of after us and kind of threatening, and I realized an, an Oldsmobile diesel doesn't have much power, so I played it as cagey as I could, and I'm trying to think, what do I do? So I drove into my neighborhood because a few doors down, I was police chaplain at the time, was my sergeant <coughs> for the Gig Harbor Police Department, and uh, so I thought I'd pull into his driveway because if anything happened, you know, then he would be able to... <coughs> I was so glad he was not home because when I got out and the guys got out and we kind of sorted this out, come to find out, my boy and his friends had been throwing candy bars from the Halloween party out at the car behind them, and they didn't care for that very much, so it was all their fault. <coughs> surprise, Dad. Or the time when I got my fossil watch, uh, what a tremendous surprise, because I don't like expensive watches. I usually get mine at my favorite jeweler, Walgreen, and they're usually $9.95, and I get them on sale for $3.95, and, <coughs> you know, surprise, you know, I like things just kind of so. I, I like to feel like I'm a little bit in control of my life and it's not utter chaos. And um, I know on this, I'm not alone. There's a few of you that are sitting out there. Amen. Preach it, brother. You know, you're, you're right on with me. So I got to thinking about uh, how terribly amusing this must be to our God. Because one of the things I've discovered as I've read through the scriptures a, a few times is that God is all about surprises. He's all about surprises. He delights in doing the unexpected. He likes doing the unexpected things at unexpected times, in unexpected ways, and uh, in ex unexpected places to unsuspecting people like me. <clears throat> Joseph in the Old Testament went from slave to second in command, second only to the Pharaoh in the kingdom of Egypt at that time. Or Moses who leads his people out of Egypt. Surprise, you know. Pharaoh let them go finally, and then they walk, come to the Red Sea. Oh, surprise, little barrier here. Oh, surprise, water's gone. They walk across. I mean, God is just continually full of surprises. Or take that motley crew of 12 guys that Jesus calls together that are eventually going to change the world for the Lord Jesus Christ. 
but here's this motley crew, and surprise, look what they're going to be. Look what they're going to do in their lifetime. And today we begin Advent, and we look towards Christmas, when the surprise of surprises occurred, and so few were aware of it. Interesting. So think about this honestly. If we were going to get together and to sketch out a plan, if we were going to draft the story of Christmas, and God was going to save rebellious humankind, would anything like what's in our Bibles be on the table for discussion? Is that the way we would have done it? Most likely not. That God would actually take on human flesh? Incomprehensible. As a baby, no less, he would start out right at the very beginning? Unbelievable. And come and visit us, and that not as a child of royalty or power or prestige or standing or wealth or or anything like that, but a baby born of poor parents from a podunk Nazareth, a little village, and parents who hadn't even had sex. Surprise! And how about this one, ladies? Mary is nine months pregnant, and hubby decides to take a 75-mile-plus journey. Does the courtesy of getting you a donkey, perhaps. Uh, we, don't know that. we don't know that from the text. Maybe it wasn't a donkey. <coughs> and she's going to a little, another little village that she's not too familiar with at all, She doesn't have a a, a very good support system there. There's no hotel rooms available, uh, no hospital nearby. Uh, So she's birthing in a barn, in a stable. Surprise! So our Advent and Christmas themes, if you haven't already guessed, for this year is going to be God surprises. And I guess my prayer is that he might do that for each of us. And this can be taken two ways. You can take it either as the verb form that God surprises. In other words, he's active and doing things to surprise us uh, in our lives. Or the noun form of God surprises. You know, to look for them, to be aware of all the times when God is looking to surprise us. Both will apply as we go through the first two chapters of the Gospel of Luke. And we're going to meet several of the players in the Christmas story as we go through this uh, Advent season. Some, like Mary, handled the surprise rather well. Uh, Others, uh, like me, (laughs) and our character today, well, we don't do as well with surprise, and you'll find out about that in a moment. Let's pray and invite God to be a part of our deliberation. God, may we be open to how you want to surprise us. How you want to encounter us and have us encounter you, which will further transform us and nurture us in our faith that we may be a catalyst for God's surprises in other people's lives as you give us opportunity. We pray this in your strong name. Amen. Let me give you a brief history to kind of set the box the backdrop for this particular occasion. Um, in Exodus chapter 26, it describes this uh, building of the first place of worship for the nation of Israel. It was called a tabernacle. It was a portable worship place that they could cart from place to place as uh, they did for uh, many years. Um, <clears throat> and so you have this tabernacle, and the basics of the tabernacle were kind of an outer court 
where the people could gather. And then you had this kind of facility, this the tent in the middle uh, of it, that had two distinct locations. One was called the Holy Place, and the second was called the Holy of Holies. The Holy of Holies was the residence of God. It was the pr his presence within his people, in the, the camping of his people. Um, and then in the holy place is where priests would do um, the incense, burning of the incense for the forgiveness of the sins of the people. And <clears throat> later on, King David had designed a, uh, a, a temple, a permanent dwelling place for God and for worship. And then Solomon, his son, ended up building that first temple, which replaced the tabernacle. And in a manner of speaking, this was um, the dwelling place of God in through this occasion of the Christmas story. Worship was managed by priests. Priests were basically the pastors of the day, and they were of Aaron's line. But by this time in Israel's history, <coughs> uh, there are approximately 18,000 of these priests, they speculate, to carry out the various functions of worship and to rotate through the various groupings and clans of people helping with the temple worship. And so they had kind of a lotto, if you will. They drew lots. Kind of the Jerusalem Super Bowl. Uh, Super Bowl. Uh, I'm sorry, ball. Um, and they would draw lots to see who it was that would have this special honor, this special privilege of serving and uh, in the temple. And the man whose name was drawn would be special, would be one of the very, very few that ever got to do that. And it was a special honor. His career, it would be the greatest day of his life. It would be better than a gold medal at the Olympics. No one could ever be selected more than once, and the vast majority of the priests would never be selected to do this honor of offering incense before the veil of the Holy of Holies where God's presence was, and to offer these on behalf of the nation that their sins might be forgiven, that their lives might be made right before their God. Enter our character, Zach, Zachariah. You see in verse uh, 7 of chapter 1 of Luke, if you have your Bibles open and you might want to follow along this morning, it says there that they... Uh, he and his wife were well advanced in years. They were well along in years. Uh, in other words, they were really old. <clears throat> Maybe even older than me, and I know that's hard for some of the children to believe that somebody could be that old. And he probably figured out that he'd never get this honor. He had gone through his whole life, hadn't gotten it yet. He's coming towards the end, the home stretch. But maybe, hope against hope, maybe, just maybe, it could happen. After all, in verse 6, it says that they were righteous and godly people, so he was living for his Lord. But there was also a deep sorrow in their home. We read about that in verse 7 because it says that there were no children. And therefore, there was nobody to carry on the family name, which was important in that culture. And folks, unless you've been there or closely known somebody who's tried and tried to have a baby and been unable to have, a baby. You do not know the grief. You do not know the pain. I had the privilege of working with husbands and wives 
were of people trying to conceive but unable to and going through all the horrendous tests and procedures and medications to try to make it more possible that it might happen and the prayers of these Christian couples as they wanted to have a baby so badly. There may be likely some in our congregation this morning that maybe have experienced this or have somebody close to you that has where you've tried and tried. You've tried just everything you know to have your own child and you're unable to do so. And you can't comprehend the disappointment. You can't comprehend the heartbreak that is for a couple. Elizabeth's time, there was even greater, uh, uh, during her time, there was even a greater social stigma for the people of that day. Because couples that did not have children were often through interpretation or actually misinterpretation uh, of the scriptures would see it as God disciplining them, punishing them. That it was God's judgment for something they had done. And they had probably, because they were in their old age, given up on this prayer for a child long ago. Or if they were still praying, it probably had become kind of a ritual prayer, something they felt they should do in order to be righteous before God. They were old. And yet, this miracle was going to happen. For ever so brief a moment in the story, all the pain, all the grief, all the unanswered prayers are set aside. And here you got Zechariah. And you know why they're gone from his thinking? You know why they're gone from his mind? In verse 8, it says, Once then Zechariah's division was on duty, and he was serving as priest before God, he was chosen by lot, according to the custom of the priesthood, to go to the temple of the Lord and to burn incense. He was chosen. He was chosen. You know, it's like when there are door prizes and they're reading off names or numbers or something like that and, and you're sitting there at the youth auction and you're holding your ticket and you're just wondering, you know, wait, oh, I missed. No, that's not it. I'll come to next year's youth auction and try again. <laughs> he was going to get the one in a million opportunity of a lifetime, a chance to burn incense on behalf of the people. He'd be offering the annual prayers for the salvation of the people of Israel. Zachariah, just giddy with excitement, I can only imagine, was overcome with the privilege of the moment. What an honor. Elizabeth gets him all dressed in his finest priestly garb, packs his little lunch in his little King David lunchbox, and sent him on his way to go and to do this duty in the temple. And Zechariah wound his way through the streets of Jerusalem and through the crowds that it says in verse 10 had gathered to pray in the temple courtyard. And he stepped up beyond the wall where only the priests could go, the holy place, and standing directly in front of the holy of holies with veils separating him from God's presence was the altar of incense. He had thought about this moment. He had read about this moment. He had trained for this moment. There he was with the gold shovel in hand, the special incense uh, to lay on the hot coals, the special prayers offering to Almighty God. 
Just imagine the scene if you can. But what we can't imagine, and that Zach would uh, later (coughs) hone in on, was this, beyond his wildest thought, was the surprise that was about to happen. Verse 11, we read that suddenly, to the right-hand side of the altar, an angel appears. That was not an everyday occurrence. In fact, we don't know biblically of an occurrence of that for the last 400 years since the previous prophet Malachi. But in verse 13, what's the first thing that the angel says? What's the first thing the angels always seem to say? Fear not. Do not be afraid. Fear not. You know, and what's the first thing we do? Get all scared. An angel? Oh dear. What have I done now? Don't be afraid. Fear not. And though the words never seem to work, surprise! An angel here with a little announcement. But as if this wasn't surprise enough, guess what the next words are off the angel's lips? Your prayers are answered. Put yourself in Zach's sandals for a moment. Think about that. Your prayers are answered. Okay, now which prayers would that be? You know, what have I been praying for lately? Or what were the biggest prayers? Or, you know, which are these prayers? All the prayers are going to be answered? Wow. And as he deliberates and as he thinks this through, you know, what would be your thoughts? Everybody's saying, fear not. (laughs) What would be your thoughts? Surprise. I think I'd be silent. (laughs) Uh Aha. And as we go on in the story, you might feel like that's... I think I'd be, yeah, shocked. Probably, probably too, not speaking. Okay, shocked, no voice to speak. Okay, somebody else? Kevin doesn't like to talk, but but I'll try it. See. Who, me? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, just think about it for a moment. How would you have responded? The angel of the Lord appears to you and says, surprise, your prayers have been answered. What prayer specifically? You will give birth to a son. You, Zechariah and Elizabeth, you who are old and getting Social Security now, you are going to have a baby. It's diapers and formula time. But, folks, that's not all. Kind of sound like one of those hucksters at the state fair selling you a juicer, telling you it will do everything in your home except change the oil in your car. Not just any baby, a special baby. Oh, good, we're going to have a special baby. A special purpose for this baby to live out in their life. And you read about it in verses 14 through 17 there. He's going to be a prophet, and there hasn't been one of those for 400 years. Not only is he going to be a prophet, but he's going to be specially filled with the Spirit. And he's going to lead many people back to God, back to faith in God, an alive, living faith, not a ritual faith. And he is going to have spirit and power of Elijah. He's going to turn hearts of the parents towards the kids and the kids towards the parents. He's going to bring people out of disobedience into righteousness. He's going to make ready a people prepared for what? For the Lord for the Messiah, 
prepared for the coming of the Messiah. That's what Christmas is, folks. Surprise! And Zach finally, in verse 18, speaks up, but maybe he shouldn't have. (laughs) Roughly translated, he says to the angel, prove it! Look how old I am, how old... She's a little bit elderly. Prove it! How can we possibly believe this? And look at Gabriel's response in verse 19. The angel said to him, I am Gabriel. Does that phrase, I am, sound familiar? Isn't that what God called himself back from the time of Moses? I am? This is the Lord's angel. I am Gabriel. God's Gabriel. Sent here special. And in the original Greek, it loses something in the English translation, but in the original Greek, what he says there in verse 19, this angel Gabriel to Zach, uh, uh, to his saying, prove it, he says, well, listen up, you little twit. <coughs> That's one right there. Basically, Gabriel says, okay, Zach, I will prove it. I will prove it to you. I will prove it so you won't say anything stupid for a while. So there's the proof. I don't know. Can you blame Zach? I'd have been mute too. Come on, angel. (laughs) I hate surprises. Zach is guilty of the same thing that most of us are guilty of. And here's the punchline I want you to take away this morning. Zechariah did not expect to meet God. Zechariah did not expect to meet God. He was surprised. He didn't expect to meet God in the worship in the temple that day. Oh, God is there. God's on the other side of the curtain. I, I mean, I know all that. But I don't know that. Zachariah is in the temple. He's a priest, a pastor. But truth be told, he didn't actually expect God to show up. The service was all set. The songs were picked. Good sermon. Everything all set. But God actually showed up. Surprise! When we come to church, we love God. We, We come to worship. We know that we've been saved. We try to serve the best we can. We come, we sing, we pray, we hear his word. But what would be our reaction if God actually showed up? If God actually showed up. If we truly encounter God, the living, the almighty, the compassionate God. We believe that that's what happens in our heads. One of our imperatives as a church is worship, and we define worship as encountering God together when we come in corporate worship. We come to encounter the living God together. But aren't we a lot like Zach, surprised if we actually do feel God's touch, God's hand on our shoulder, in our hearts, in our lives? Shouldn't we be expectant and anticipate God's touch, that in fact that's why we're here? 
The second thing is that Zach didn't expect to meet God in his prayers. They had been righteous people, lived righteously. They had prayed, and I'll bet they had prayed hard. He had prayed for decades for a child, but now he's old and seemingly beyond that prayer. But God blessed him with a child. And how many, and how about those prayers for the salvation of Israel at the altar of incense, where he was offering this on behalf of the people? Those prayers are now answered. And this was the prayer of Israel for hundreds of years. Surprise! God is here. God is with you. God is in your midst. You have encountered the living God. And folks, I want nothing more for Faith Covenant Church. I want nothing more in my own life than for each of us to create an atmosphere of wonderment and whole attitude of expectation in this place, in our hearts that will be so contagious to our world that they will want to check it out too. That they will want to encounter the living Almighty God as well. Isn't that what you want? Isn't that what you pray for, for our church and for your lives? For too long we've prayed to a God that we don't really expect to show up. Folks, God is here. God did show up. In fact, he's every place you ever are. By his Holy Spirit indwelling us and living through us and helping us to live the way God wants us to, he is always there. Even at times and moments when we feel like he's so far away. He wants to show himself to us. What a witness it would be if we were expectant of God's sightings in all areas of our lives, that we would see the God surprises that he does for us every moment of every day. That can happen here at Faith Covenant Church. That can happen here in Sumner and the surrounding communities. Let us, this Advent, look for God. Let's be expectant of what God would like to do in us and through us. Let's be willing to be surprised, even be Bill Goodwin, to be willing to be surprised this Advent. Next Sunday, our children will be blessing us and teaching us. I encourage you to invite somebody to come because I have found that many times our children and youth have a lot to teach us about faith. Come expectant. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you are here. But Father, we believe, we trust that in fact you are. Help us to live that out in our day-to-day lives. We pray this in your strong, strong name. Amen.